This is the Unearthing Art Podcast with Michelle Luminato and Beck Lee, where we dig into the messy reality of making art that matters, raw and real conversations about being an artist, navigating the creative process, and expressing our honest and sometimes weird selves. I've been thinking a lot about the transition of when I became a painter and the Mm -hmm. epiphany moment and it's probably a big long moment like it's not just a you know 20 second aha but I just wanted to talk a little bit about that because it's really made my life just the focus of what it is today. It started out mostly because I was really floundering. There was a point in my creative career where I had done a lot of design work and I was just really um, kind of at that point of like, what should I do next? What what should I work on now? I had a stationary company. I was working on creating wallpaper, but I just had this really empty gut feeling. You know, it was this thing of like, mm-hmm. it just I didn't feel satisfied. And so I felt like I was always like, is this right? And it just, there was lots of, things that weren't working about it and it just kept feeling like the universe kept saying this isn't your thing like it just felt like it wasn't meant to be and then Mm -hmm. my dad got really sick and ended up in the hospital and I had to fly from Australia to the U.S. to be with him and sadly it was a really traumatic experience where he passed away suddenly and I came home after 30 days over there going through a really 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 emotional time and just felt like what the heck am I doing? What am I actually doing with my life? And what actually matters? Because what I noticed with going through what I did with him is when he had the the funeral, he was he was someone who in the community was looked up to and he had so many people who loved him. He had touched so many lives. And I just was so profoundly struck by how many lives he had touched. And it was a really, you know, I talking about that now, I think I recognize it more now than I did in that moment. But I remember coming back and I was like, what am I doing? Yeah, like what, what lives are you touching? Is that, you know, what's your impact? I think I felt like I didn't really have any impact. It all felt really superficial. I had worked in the design industry. I'd done trend forecasting, color forecast. Like I had done a lot of things, but it all felt very superficial. You were thinking like, are those are those people I did trend forecasting for going to show up at my funeral and say nice things <laughs> about me? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> like that, they yeah. just, yeah, exactly. It just felt really empty and hollow and unimportant. And when I saw the impact he made and the fact that he actually changed lives and he would be missed and mine was one of them, and to see that he had changed so many other lives, I was like, wow, he's going to be missed. And could you say, because I'm not sure you've actually said, can you say what he was doing to have that impact? Yeah, he was the director of the mental health center. He had also worked in the alcohol rehabilitation area of mental health. Although he was the director, he had a very impactful down-to-earth approach to anyone who passed in his way. So that's what he did, which is not my area at all, but I was just really struck by how people felt that he made a difference yeah he also had an artistic side he though did. as well didn't he, he did and which is probably the other piece of to the puzzle to me because he did um spend most of his adult life in this career that had to do with helping other people with their well-being and he was um someone who did um 
a lot of Native American beadwork, and then he ended up doing painting. I bought him his first paints, although I think he was definitely painting when he was young, but he didn't really do that as a profession. It was always the thing he was doing in, in the evenings, on the weekends, so he was definitely an artistic influence of my life, but he put it on the back burner and only had really five years to explore it, and uh, I was right, like, yep. Oh my gosh, he didn't even get to do the thing. He didn't mm. get to do what he really, he loved what he did, but he didn't really get to do the thing that mattered to him because he was mm. busy helping other people, making an income. So it was kind of a, a two impacts for you there with his passing is that sense of the impact that he had had and also some sadness that he hadn't had yeah been able to have more creative expression yeah. totally like he just mm. had so much creative expression and he got so much satisfaction out of painting and he was just starting to get enough paintings and they were really good i was going to help him start selling them and we just didn't get to do it and it was all cut short and then i came home and i was like what the heck am i doing yeah. And I didn't even know I wanted to be a painter. I was just so upset by the whole thing that I just went into the garage and started um, making messes with paint. That's what I call I'm just making wow. a mess. So that it was it was actually that point. So prior to that hadn't you hadn't actually been painting, it'd been in the design and that kind of yeah. creative industry area. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay. So I just went into the studio, which was the studio garage. Let's face it, it was just a garage. The car wasn't in it. I had a table. <laughs> I got my kids' paints. I got my screen printing because we had screen printing from experiences that we did with design that I had laying around. Mm. I was like, well, maybe I can just paint with these screen print inks. I mean, I was just pushing stuff around, you know, so to me, it yeah. wasn't really... Yeah doing anything seriously did it feel a bit therapeutic oh it felt so therapeutic so like there's a lot of little angry paintings there was a lot of dark <laughs> paintings there's a lot of sadness there's a lot there's just a lot of emotion that came out and I think that was really that's where I get to this epiphany moment because it wasn't really one moment but it was that experience that made me go oh my gosh I can let these emotions out and it feels actually really good and then I was like, how's the designer in me going to feel about this? Ooh, I don't know. So that's where it sort of became like, this actually matters more. The designer doesn't really care. I just, in me, the designer in me just was like, mm. this is actually the most important part. Because I just felt so free. And I also felt, I felt a real healing from that experience too to let my yeah. art just be what it wanted to be and I didn't put any pressure on it. And they just started morphing into these things that looked like paintings. And I was like, what the heck is this? I'm not a painter. How is this, how is this happening? But then I knew it was the most important thing. So it was really like, oh wow. It was a real like, oh wow, this is big. I don't know what this means to me, but this is pretty big. Even though if you looked at the paintings, they looked very insignificant and not anything I would be like, oh, this is an important painting. Ah, yeah. So it was really the the feeling inside. It was the, there was a really embodied sensation that, that um, I always find that so interesting that something can look 
the same from the outside like over a period of time you know something can look insignificant from the outside or it can look unchanged from the outside but it can be you can be monumentally changed from the inside it's like that yeah internal intent and kind of orientation of where you are in your heart and in your guts and then that make can make all the difference yeah exactly it was just and it was really discombobbling i'm not sure if that's how you actually say discombobulating (laughs) there you go i definitely felt like you know it was really shaking my whole world really was the people around me they were like what the heck are you you're playing in the in the garage and they're not that great like (laughs) yep yeah like what the heck are you doing and I do have a supportive husband and he was you know very like just do what you need to do you know I in the beginning would just go in and cry and that was part of the therapy is you know let the emotions out and see what happens but as a as a as a person who always worked in the design field it just I felt really disoriented by it you know it was really Mm -hmm. but yet so satisfied at the same time disoriented because tell me more about that is that because you felt like there wasn't a design brief there wasn't something you were fulfilling in some way there wasn't anyone yeah exactly there wasn't anyone to please but myself and that was a really new concept to just make something that actually checked in with my heart and that was it like the the actual gut check there was me did I enjoy the process did I have a good time doing it or did I get to cry and I spilt tears all over the paint like it wasn't about anything other than me having that experience Mm. that seems like a big like from (laughs) from my mindset that seems like a big a couple of big leaps happening happening there because you have the realization and you go into the garage and you're doing that work and it's so different and you're doing nothing but pleasing yourself and as soon as you said that I'm thinking oh when we start doing things that just please ourselves we can feel guilty like other people were saying these aren't good things which to me is the same as saying you're not going to be able to sell these things like is this to make money is this to why are you doing this there was a lot of guilt I had so much guilt because I had two I had two little babies they weren't babies but they were five and six year old like they were just little and it looked a little like madness like (laughs) mommy's gone a little bit mad she's you know in just enjoying and playing with paint the way that the kids would and so I would get them to paint and we would do it together and so it was kind of good that I had them you know in that period to give me an excuse but I did feel guilty doing it for me Oh, that's so interesting. So you had these kind of conflicting pulls then because you had this pull of like, wow, this feels really good. I want to make this and play. And then you had another bit going, you know, what's the point of this? Like, how is this helping my family? How is this helping people around me? Because again, that kind of experience that you took away from your father's passing was that he'd had a lot of impact on other people as well as the creative things. So it felt very selfish. Yeah, it, it was... So, I don't know, it says something about your personality or or something. I guess what I'm driving at is I think that some people stumble at that obstacle 
and because if you've got these two conflicting things one pulling you towards just unrestrained self-expression surrendering to the moment surrendering to whatever may come in a very open freed unlimited way let's say and on the other side it's saying hey what about responsibility what about productivity what about what you owe to other people and you know I think that if we did the percentages there's a good percentage of people who who get pulled that other way towards the responsibility and they just they, they don't make that cross over into that expression so I'm just wondering like that seems like a really important turning point it was and I can literally visualize the space because I was like this is so important I need to create a space inside the house where I can just sit in this pocket near the window and let myself do it for an hour a week I gave myself this is how this is how like removed from allowing myself I really was. It was that point of not feeling like really feeling guilty for spending any time because it wasn't productive. This is definitely not sellable work. It it's it's very selfish. But then I decided, what if I just allowed myself to do it an hour a week, and and do it during the day because I was like in you know the the early early stage was friday night everyone else is busy watching a movie or footy they're all distracted they'll never notice if i'm in the studio on a friday i literally i pick days or sneak off where i'm like no one's gonna notice they're all a little preoccupied this will be my little window and i would get a glass of wine get a little window of time then I, the next step was to give myself permission during the day when people could catch me, but it was only, <laughs> catch you at it. But it was only an hour. It was like my little dirty secret that I slowly had to let out. Yeah, wow. I feel like I'm exposing like this little secret, but that's how it was. It was a little bit of a dirty secret that I felt super guilty about. Yeah. And well, what happened next? I know. Now I'm You're like, <laughs> what? I know. So I what, What's the next step in the story? The next step in the story was like, well, how would this work if I did want to do this all the time? That was my mm. big question next. How would this work? What would that what what does that look like? You know, how mm-hmm. could I how could I contribute to my family and get what I want? at the same time yeah. you know and it became a question that took a while to unpack which is definitely going to take more than this conversation but there was this part where I started examining different ways it could look I looked to other artists of course who were selling their work or creating different things and and being in the design world and knowing what things I had capabilities of doing it was a real push and pull of like the commercial side of me saw tons of opportunity and then mm-hmm. the side of me who's like you'll never sell your soul again this is going to be authentic and true it was a real struggle of like how how does that work oh so we've come back to another so that you sort of had that first push and pull and now as you look at how do I make it work? You have knowledge from your previous careers about, you know, turning things into products, about yeah. design, about how you sell things, really. Yeah. And But you don't want to lose that feeling you had in the studio of being entirely in yourself and creating from 
within in a in a really free way yeah I didn't want to look I didn't want to always look outside of myself of like is someone gonna like this is this gonna work and look to like look at the product side of it just straight off Mm. the bat because that was gonna that would be really easy for me to do and to look at like okay what's the commercial viability and get all this whole you know businessy side in and sort of like forget that and I think there was these ebbs and flows where sometimes the commercial side would get the better of me and I Mm. would you know start thinking of other things of well what colors will work and as opposed to what do I actually want it to feel like you know so it Mm. was it was definitely I think a lot of questions around that but in the beginning the only thing I could do is paint small I didn't understand scale whatsoever so a lot of the stuff I did was just very small you know 30 centimeters 8 by 10s and then I started to slowly get to 30 by 30 like it was a really you know in the beginning it felt really slow and then the the, what I call the curse of the sale happens where someone said oh I like this and then I had a gallery approach me and say would you want to be in a show we would want big ones and I was like oh my gosh I've never done big ones so it was it started unraveling I think it's one of those things that the universe sort of lays out these master plans that you don't really have control over you know where you're like I said I wanted this and then when it comes your way you're like oh what am I going to do this? Oh, shoot. I need to, you know, it, it, I felt a little nervous, but I just threw myself in because that's how I am. So it's a bit of a tightrope, isn't it? What I'm hearing is that how seductive it is, how easy it is for us to go back into old thinking grooves or habitual kind mm. of ways of doing things and thinking about things. So you have a sense you know, a real sense of like an epiphany moment where you see a new possibility, a new way of doing something. And then as you're describing those ebbs and flows, because you had, you know, decades of approaching problem solving, of approaching success. I think that's it, isn't it? Of of achieving success and probably other people's approval and kind of all those things that we said, you know, with people saying looking after your family, looking after others in a particular way. So you, I've experienced this too, like you, you have a new problem. And then as soon as you start trying to solve that problem, (laughs) you naturally fall back on the problem solving techniques you've used again and again before. I think it's so true that ebbs and flows, they're like little spiral at some point you have a little mini epiphany and go oh hang on I'm doing that thing again here I am again back to the way I've always done it and it's not gonna work this time yeah I think that's yeah exactly it is but it's not one of those things like you're just like oh I'm just gonna do it this way now and that's gonna be it's I'm switched it's good I'm just gonna paint from the heart that's it yeah because when that gallery knocks on your door I imagine and says oh okay we'd like to do a show it's almost like a little um, demon on your shoulder saying oh look you can do the painting and you can fulfill and everyone will think it's great and you'll be supporting your family and you'll be seen as like a productive person who's making money and so you you start getting focused on a problem and like the problem is these people want this of me so let's focus on doing that 
Like it's so seductive, isn't it's, it? It's super seductive. And what happened in that case was I jumped on it, not having enough skill behind me to accomplish it in a way that would have kept me really preserved. I don't know if that makes sense, but Mm -hmm. there was a bit Mm -hmm. of unraveling that happened because of that. And yet Mm -hmm. it was the path that I needed to unravel, you know? So I I feel like those scaling up paintings that I did from that didn't really succeed because it wasn't really my complete authentic self yet, but I hadn't figured it out. I hadn't really discovered who I was, which is a whole nother topic that Uh, we can dig into as well but I think I was trying to go too fast too soon I don't know if you've ever experienced going too you're like I want this (laughs) I want success now whatever success is you know and I think I was just I was too much too soon but at the same time I look back and think I can't imagine it any other way you know Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm we go through the the kind of painful growing periods. Yeah. You're like, well, if I hadn't have done that, I wouldn't be here. So I can't really go back and not do that. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, but I think I think I think I knew that it was important enough that I needed to keep track of it, you know, and really mm-hmm. stay in touch with that, which has become my complete mantra of how I, you know, make my art and live as an artist now but it's 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 a muscle that I've had to practice and still practice to this day you know I don't think it ever that commercial side of me ever goes away so it's so like what is that mantra that you that you that I always want I always go into the studio daily ex- wanting to experience satisfaction in the process satisfaction mm. in the like I'm making something that I'm loving and enjoying and I just constantly check in with myself like do do I like doing this am I enjoying this does it have the feeling I want you know and and just check in with mm. myself as the as the temperament you know because at the end of the day it, that that experience that I had in the beginning is the thing I'm, I want to preserve so that's yeah so now when I go in the studio I'm constantly looking at like well what would make me more satisfied you know in in this Mm. one thing or this painting or whatever so I just really look to show up in the studio to enjoy my day I know that sounds really simple but that's that's what makes that's what makes my days good and I guess that's like to take it to a, a big view it's because you've worked out for yourself that long term if you can you you've decided if if you can look back and say i i spent my days doing the uh, that thing that thing that made me feel good and felt good that's a good life yeah yeah exactly and i think the other part that i really had during that epiphany moment was realizing that i've always wanted to work with other artists and help other artists and i love I just love helping other artists. And I had a few great teachers who were huge influences in my life and they just really challenged me and pushed me in a way that I couldn't have done on my own. And so I always wanted to do that for someone else. I always wanted to be able to pass along that um, feeling. So that's where I think for me, part of the equation was how do I help more artists 
do what I'm doing, where they get to enjoy their day and they get to make things they love. You know, how do we all Mm. get to do more of that? I think that's fascinating because it was like there at the beginning of that idea of helping others, but it's it's not something that you could... Uh, do at the same time if you know what I mean like something was set in motion and you jumped into that and you went to the studio and you started mining yourself but you couldn't at the same time say oh and I'm also going to start helping other people it was a little bit like that um, oxygen mask on yeah, yourself yeah, first yeah. you had to fulfill that unexpressed like this this sense inside you like you said that gnawing sense of dissatisfaction but not really clear and going through that period where you like were very at sea and it felt a a bit chaotic and then that's led around to come back around to having that um, second string now like you've where you have the helping others and the impact as well as the creative expression like those two things that that you saw in your dad absolutely absolutely and it was years to unpack that to the point that I could say hang on a minute this is really important I want to share this like it, it I had to really which is a whole nother story <laughs> there yeah. was another epiphany moment that had to do with the commercial side of things that yeah. happened but that's where yeah I had to put the oxygen max mask on first I had to like literally like really dig into some stuff that I consider really kind of personal growth. I think that's what the the artist journey is so full of personal growth, whether you sign up for it or not. I mean, when you're doing work that's about yourself, it doesn't get any more personal than that. <laughs> it does not. It does not. And I, yeah, and I think it's so interesting and useful to see that when people talk about having epiphany moments, moments of clarity or insight, I mean, in hindsight, we can put together the stories and say this happened and then this happened and this happened. But in the when we're living them, it's it can be a real jumble. Yes. And you don't know where it's, it's not like you have, have the moment of clarity and like, now I can see my path beautifully yeah. before me. You know, you've got to keep walking the path, making decisions, taking leaps sometimes. Yep. And... Yeah see what unfolds yeah i i think it's one of those important ones that i think i am i'm super grateful for even though it didn't look that way like what you just said like you know i can look back now and go okay this is these are all the things that sort of lined up but when i was going through it it was it felt really disastrous and uncomfortable so i guess my message to anyone listening would be you know if it feels uncomfortable um and yet you know you're on the right track and you're still feeling uncomfortable, just keep showing up for yourself and don't give up on yourself. I think the thing that I really, when you said, how did you keep doing I just kept showing up for myself, even when everything yeah. was stacked against me. Yeah. And I'm still practicing that today. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up. I always find it interesting when we hear others tell these sorts of stories and then compare that to ourselves if we're in that really if we're down in the mud (laughs) we're down in there where you know we're shoveling the shit yeah and we go well that's okay for Michelle she showed up she showed up for herself because somehow deep down she knew that was the right thing to do but I where I'm at is just it's a you know it's impossible there is no 
yeah, and there's no surety. There's no um, clarity that it's the right thing to do. I just know I'm kind of in a mess and, you know, not speaking from experience or anything. Just saying, <laughs> just to be clear, like, I don't want to paint a picture like it was all rosy. I cried all the time. I would go and sob my head off saying to my husband, what the heck am I doing? And he's like, you have to do it. You have to do it. And I was like, I should stop. I should quit. And he was like, you have to do it. Okay, yeah. So there is no silver lining, like everything was all rosy and I just, I decided, no, I cried about it. I fought with myself. It was a battle, a big battle. I'm not, I kid you not. It's not easy because I always felt like it was painful to ignore it if I just turned Mm. my back on it and it was painful showing up. But either way, it was going to be painful but I did, mm. I did cry a lot, and I did reach out to my husband who was supportive, you know, and so it did help to talk it out with people who could, you know, hear, hear what I had to say, and, yeah. and they could say, yeah, it sucks, that is pretty ugly, keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but it's... That's it. Yeah, that's lots it. Lots of tears, so I don't want to mislead that. No, and I think that when something needs to change and you can try and cut that feeling off, but that also feels pretty terrible, Mm -hmm. really terrible. I mean, then you're just sort of kind of sitting in the pain. Feeling miserable. Feeling miserable, so you feel that there's something needs to change, but that's really hard. And I think the harder it is, the shorter um, amount of time into the future that you can focus yeah absolutely yeah so there's a writer and she has a therapy background and she talks about when you're in those really messy moments to focus on the thinnest slice of now yes love that if the day feels like too much if it feels like too much to kind of be present and to show up for your whole day then be present and show up for you know, three hours in the morning. If that feels too much, then the next hour. Exactly. And I've even seen some artists do it for five minutes where they're like, I'm just going to show up for five minutes. And sometimes it looked like black paper with white Posca pens. It didn't always look like paint, but it was just allowing myself permission. And sometimes you only, yeah, can claim five minutes. And I think that that's where it's like, if you can just show up and do something even for the tiniest slice is such good advice Mm. because what usually happens to me is I just get really sucked into it and then I get totally absorbed and I'm really enjoying it and then I lose track of time and I think that that's really how I like to show up on a regular basis anyway in in practicality is it's so overwhelming if I were to think back Mm. to the time when I first started like if I were to think like how am I going to become a painter who sells big paintings, makes big paintings, makes stuff I love. It's just, it's such a big, huge goal and seems so big that it would be overwhelming and I would do nothing. Tiny slices is is how I still manage to this day. Thank you for listening. Today's conversation actually continues into the next episode. So make sure to check out episode three, which you can find in your podcast player or via our website at unearthingart.com. And we'd also love to hear from you. How have big life events shaped your art journey? So let us know on unearthingart on Instagram and we'll catch you next time. Mm